Welcome to Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. This show is about animals and the people who dedicate their lives to them. And welcome everybody to another exciting edition of Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. How's it going? Hope you are doing well all around the world. You know, whenever you listen to the show, whether it's the morning or nighttime, whether you're driving or sitting in your office or you're sitting at home because we've all been in quarantine for it seems like eight months. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the show. I am so thrilled to share with you today's podcast topic, the Amazon River Dolphin. I have just always been so fascinated with the Amazon River Dolphin. I think I remember back in the day, like when I was seven or eight, I had this old VHS tape about the Amazon. It was like an Amazon documentary. And there was a short clip of the Amazon River Dolphin. And I just was so fascinated with them. Like the fact that there is this dolphin that lives in the rivers in South America, it just blew my mind. To be honest, they've always been at the top of my animal bucket list. By the way, do you have an animal bucket list? Like a list of wild animals you'd like to see, obviously, in the wild? I mean, I'll tell you what, river dolphins are right up there next to mountain gorillas. I've always been fascinated with them. So I am beyond thrilled today to have on the show Suzanne Smith. She is the executive director of the Amazon River Dolphin Conservation Foundation. She founded this organization many years ago just because she had a fascination with dolphins. She's been working with dolphins for over 30 years. She took a trip down to the Amazon several years ago and fell in love. She realized like, wow, there's not an organization like a conservation organization dedicated solely to the river dolphin why don't i start one so she literally founded this organization and i just had such a great time speaking with her you can tell in the interview she's so passionate about the river dolphin i just want to tell you i love speaking with her because she talks about just her experiences in the amazon encountering these dolphins and she actually through her organization the amazon river dolphin conservation foundation they actually do amazon expeditions so anyone you know like you and i can join her she goes twice a year to the Amazon on a 10-day excursion where you can see Amazon River dolphins, but you can also see other wildlife, including caiman, harpy eagles, sloths. She said one day, one night, she counted 73 sloths in a night. I was like blown away. So anyway, it was super neat talking to her, kind of living through those experiences and knowing that, hey, like anyone could actually go and join her who wants to see these animals up close and personal. You're gonna learn about the river dolphin and you're gonna learn that they are a lot different than the dolphin everyone knows. Like, the bottom of those dolphin, you're going to learn some fascinating facts about them. I promise you will fall in love with them. Before we get started, as always, please make sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes or I guess wherever you listen to the show. Please leave a rating and a review. We are climbing in the charts, which is amazing. The uh, Animals to the Max were one of the top nature podcasts, and it's just so exciting that people are listening to this, like I said, all around the world. So please continue to, you know, write your reviews and tell people, you know, your favorite episodes. And I love all of that feedback. I seriously do. So please continue to do that. As always, make sure to follow me on my social channels on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. I used to say Twitter. I'm still on Twitter, but I kind of feel like it's like a has-been 
type of a social media platform. I mean, a lot of people still use it. I still use it for news, but I don't know. I'm more focused right now on TikTok. Follow me, you guys. It is um, such a fun platform. And I'll tell you what, I never realized that my turtle biting a carrot would get so many views. I think we're at nearing 13 million views of Happy the Alligator Snapping Turtle biting a carrot. So go ahead and check out my TikTok. If you just need, I don't know, trying to pass the time or you're bored at home due to this coronavirus thing, check out our TikTok. And also, if you have not heard the news, it is true. Breaking news. If you follow me on my Instagram, Tom the Turkey officially has an Instagram. His Instagram handle is tom.j.turkey and you can find him there and he is uh he's blowing up. He's blowing up the space and you guys I never thought I would create an Instagram for my turkey but so many people were actually like suggesting it and I thought god this is I mean like like I already you know don't have you know enough things to do. Let me you know do another Instagram handle but people are loving it and I think it's because it's really like taking their mind off the current situation like what's going on with the coronavirus and you know people are at home. People like seeing feel good content. So if you want to laugh, if you want to Follow along the life of Tom, my pet turkey. I encourage you to do that once again. His Instagram handle is tom.j.turkey. Let's get to the main event. Please welcome to the show, Suzanne Smith, the executive director of the Amazon River Dolphin Conservation Foundation. I am so excited. I mean, I seriously, I'm so excited because on today's show, we have Suzanne Smith, and she is the executive director of the Amazon River Dolphin Conservation Foundation. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Corbin. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here with you. Well, I'll tell you what. I have a, I swear, I have an animal bucket list. And river dolphins are at the very, very top of that list. I mean, it's right, it's probably right next to like mountain gorillas. I mean, they, they should be up there on everyone's list. For sure. Yeah. So tell me, this is such a unique niche because, I mean, how did you become the, I mean, obviously we're going to talk about the Amazon River Dolphin, but how really quick, like, how did you become the executive director of this foundation? Oh my goodness. The, the story is long and sorted, Corbin. Oh, that's okay. We have all the time in the world. You have me. <laughs> um, honestly, so I have been working with marine mammals, uh, predominantly uh, dolphins, for over 30 years at different zoos and aquariums uh, all, all over the place. And about seven years ago, I went to Brazil with a fish specialist group, a fish conservation group. And, uh, you know, the, the group is very nice and fish are very nice and the conservation project is wonderful. But I was always just, you know, following my heart and I wanted to see what the river dolphins were all about. And I could not believe it the first time I saw them and I absolutely fell in love with them. So I went back just a couple months later and then I just kept going back and back. And with my experience of working with marine mammals in zoos and aquariums, I just knew that there was definitely a need down there and that they needed some help. So I actually founded the foundation myself and now I, I run it and I go there probably three or four times a year. Wow. Okay. So let's go back before you go to the Amazon. So you were working with, I'm assuming, were you working with bottlenose dolphins? 
I have worked with bottlenose dolphins and also rough tooth dolphins. Rough tooth dolphins. Yes. Can you name the facility? I pick all the, I pick all the strange dolphins. I, I can't tell you I know much about the rough tooth dolphin. Where are they on? Dis, I'm assuming on display somewhere. They're, they are. They're only um, at one location, actually two locations now in North America uh, in the Florida Panhandle. Wow. Okay. So you grew up, you always wanted to be like a dolphin trainer. Is always. That- My whole life. I've never known anything else. Really? So really? You, oh, that's so... Okay. So what was your first like experience working with them? Did you have to start you know, from the bottom, work your way up? I, I did. Um, so I'm originally from Boston. I was born and raised in Boston. And as many people know, the world-renowned New England Aquarium is in Boston. And I was very fortunate to start volunteering and working there when I was only 15 years old. And I had some wonderful mentors and some fascinating people that were that were just interested in me enough and believed in me enough and took me under their wing and encouraged me. So at a very young age, I was able to work in the stranding department um, with marine mammals. I got to be a part of the dive wa- the dive team. I got to work with penguins. So I got to dabble in a lot of everything, but my heart was always with the dolphins. What was something you learned while working with them that maybe you would not have known. Does that make sense? Like, you know, like, like, go, okay. Um, it, that's a pretty easy one. They are not as nice and as sweet <laughs> as their, as their reputation leads people to believe. <laughs> yes. I have had the same experience. I went, I, they're I, kind of jerks. <laughs> They are. I went at a facility. I did an internship and they had one that would just, I mean, actually several that would specifically try to bite us through the, through the barrier, through the mesh in the, you know, when we were swimming. Don't, don't let that dolphin smile fool you for sure. Right. Oh my gosh. Did you have any like super close calls? Did you get bit a lot or? I mean, you know, you work with animals long enough, any species, whether you're working with dolphins or you're working with sea lions and seals or, you know, I've been very fortunate in my career to work with other animals as well, uh, Komodo dragons and rhinos and in very interesting exotic cats. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's inevitable. It's going to happen eventually. So I, I've got some good bites under my belt. <laughs> wow. Did you ever work with killer whales? I did not. I did oh, not. Okay. So was it always like the like the like the specific bottlenose dolphin or just any type? It was specifically the bottlenose because that's what I knew and that's what I grew up around. Uh, we we lived when I was a kid. We I did live in Florida for some time, and my dad always had a boat. So the bottlenose dolphin is what I always knew, not only from my local aquarium, but what I knew from going out on the water as well. Oh, man. See, I I live in Idaho, a landlocked state. So (laughs) we don't, I mean, we have wolverines, but we just, yeah, we don't have, we don't have dolphins. (laughs) So, okay. So tell me, okay. So you're working at a facility and you have the opportunity to go to the Amazon and you went and you just fell in love with the river dolphin. 
I did. I was just fascinated. Um, I actually, truth be told, the first time I went um, with this particular conservation group uh, was back in the late 90s. And I went back to back. And then, you know, what happens to all of us is life. And I got sidetracked and I was working at other zoos and aquariums. And then I got an invite to go back to Brazil again with the same group. And uh, I was fortunate enough that it was at a time in my life where I could go. And again, I just went head over heels. And, and it was this, the, that time that caught me. And I haven't stopped going back. So I have a question. Are they, because I am so fascinated. Okay, so you get there. Are they like really elusive or do you see one right off the bat? I mean, tell me about this. Tell me about your first encounter because I want to live it. They are so super cool, Corbin. They are not like any Terciops, which is our which is our bottlenose dolphins. They are nothing like them in appearance or in or in behavior they are just their own unique creature and they are actually a very inquisitive species so there are a lot of areas around the amazon where there are people uh, who live in the riverside communities that have these very special and unique relationships with the amazon river dolphin Wow. Now, is that a good relationship, though? Because isn't there a conflict with fishermen? In these particular areas where I have been on the Amazon, that that actually does not take place. And what's really interesting is down there. So the Amazon River Dolphin is locally known as the Boto, B-O-T-O. And up until recently, they were believed to be magical animals. They, they believe that they are actually shapeshifters. So there is a legend that, you know, in the middle of the night when they're having their fiestas and they're having a little party at the end of the day, there is this strange uh, man who will walk into the village and he is always wearing a hat. And they believe that he is wearing a hat to cover his blowhole. And he's usually all dressed in white and he's very handsome and he seduces and he charms the ladies and he will bring them back into his underwater world. Um, and it's called Encantado. So they believe for a very long time um, that these animals were magical. So they, they didn't really mess with the, the river dolphins. Okay. Very, very interesting. Okay. So let's just talk about the river dolphin. And some people might even be listening who aren't familiar and be like, wait, the river dolphins? I mean, because I mean, honestly, a lot of people don't realize that the Amazon is home to dolphins. They don't. I mean, they are hundreds and hundreds of kilometers away from any ocean. And there they are smack dab in the middle of the rainforest. <laughs> So, yeah, let's talk about it. How many species? How big are they? I know that you said their behavior is different, so we can go into that. But let's just talk about them. So they're pretty cool. So 
There are, so there's two species um, that I see when I, when the areas where I go, there is the Amazon river dolphin, which is the pink river dolphin or the Boto. And then there's another little one that's called the Amazon gray dolphin uh, or just the gray dolphin. And it's also known as the Tukushi. Okay. So there are two freshwater dolphins in that area. So for the Amazon river dolphin, they are a part of Inia. And they believe that there are three subspecies. And I let classification, I leave that to the taxonomists. Um, there are different areas of the Amazon that have been corded off because of dam damming um, for mining and things of that nature. So they've actually found uh, a, what they believe to be a new species just a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Wow. It's, okay. Um, so ahead. I see the two the two different types of uh, freshwater river dolphins. Okay, so I always because I've seen like those viral stories of the pink river dolphin. Why are they pink? The million dollar question. So the million dollar answer, which is pretty cool, I think it's going to be a long answer. Go ahead. They don't even start off pink. They what? When they are they do not start off pink. They oh, okay. are actually born gray. They're born completely gray. And as they get older, they turn pink. And they believe that it is from the scarring. They, the males tend to be more pink than the females. Um, and they believe that's from when they're competing with one another for the females. Or if they are in the flooded rainforest, they're getting scratched up from the trees. Or if they're roughhousing and just playing around with one another, they get scratched up pretty easily. And that's how they can become pink. Really? Okay. Yeah. And I actually, because I, okay, you're, you're based in New Orleans, right? Correct. Or am I saying that correct? New Orleans? Is that like the it Idaho way to say it? New Orleans? It was perfect. <laughs> Should I say New Orleans or New Orleans? Please let me know for future. <laughs> you can you can say whichever but most of us down here say new orleans okay so not new orleans okay so <laughs> new orleans wasn't there a pink dolphin a bottlenose dolphin let's pinky can we talk about this because yeah go ahead I know. we certainly can so a lot of people do think that pinky is you know this rare endangered river dolphin it's not um we start to get reports. I used to uh, do the strandings for marine mammals and sea turtles for the state of Louisiana, uh, right around time of Deepwater Horizon, which by the way, 10 year anniversary. Um, and so this dolphin gets spotted about every springtime. And if you think about it, that's the time where people are starting to put their boats back in the water. They're starting to get back out and do some fishing. So that's usually when the reports start coming out. Um, and basically, Pinky is an albino uh, bottlenose dolphin. And Pinky's still swimming around. Yes. Last I heard, I got reports this year of Pinky being around. So last I heard, still around and kicking, which is amazing because by all accounts, that that's a pretty tough life, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, sticking out like a sore thumb. For sure. For sure. Wow. Okay. So just want to clarify, nothing to do with the pink Amazon river dolphin. Correct. No, I'm glad you brought that up. Two very separate, two very separate animals. So let's talk about that though, because you've now have worked with both. 
And by the way, I know I'm going all over the place, but did you ever get to see Chuckles at the Pittsburgh Zoo and PPG Aquarium? I have. N- I never got to meet Chuckles um, in person. I know several people who worked with him over the years. And in fact, I was working with two people who worked with him for many, many, many years um, at the time of his passing. So I, I know all kinds of stories about Chuckles. I, I feel like I know him pretty well, but I was never fortunate enough to meet him in person. Can we talk, and someone listening might be like, Corbin, what are you talking about? Who's Chuckles? Can we talk about what Chuckles, I mean, yeah, let's talk, who is Chuckles? Yeah, for sure. And we can even back it up a little bit. So back in the 60s and 70s, um, a lot of Amazon River dolphins were imported into the United States. People don't realize how many Amazon River dolphins used to live at different aquariums around this country. And people didn't know a lot about them and they didn't really survive. But there were a few that beat all of the odds. Uh, One was Chico that used to live at um, Shedd Aquarium. There was one that lived for some time at Aquarium of Niagara. Uh, They had them at Marineland, Florida and St. Augustine. And then probably the most iconic of all of them was this river dolphin named Chuckles. And he lived at the Pittsburgh Zoo and Aquarium for many, many, many years. And he was definitely one of a kind. And there were trainers and researchers and scientists that learned a lot about the river dolphin thanks to thanks to Chuckles himself. So a lot of them did not survive. And I heard a few theories and you would know this, um, but did they said that because the river dolphins, they don't live in like super deep water that a lot of the exhibits they were housed in, they, they didn't provide ledges for them to rest on. Is that true? Correct. And I think there was even more, more things that contributed to it as well, whether it be the water quality, the type of diet, there's just so little known about them back then. And there's still so much now that we're, that we're still trying to learn. So yeah, they, the, the odds were, were kind of against them in the beginning. Wow. Okay. Did do you have a fun story that you've heard about Chuckles you could share with us? I'm so fascinated with this dolphin. I never saw Chuckles, but I work with the Pittsburgh Zoo a lot um, when we do stuff like in New York for the Today Show. And I just have always been fascinated because it's like, oh, you guys were home to Chuckles. Um, I heard a lot of really fun, just little quirky anecdotal stories, but I will tell you that it sounds like Chuckles probably trained his keepers a lot more um, than they trained him. Sounds like he was he was more the teacher than the student. I heard he was quite quite a fascinating animal. Wow. Okay, so let's talk about the difference between them and you know like bottles bottlenose dolphins. Is there? I mean, you said they're just two complete different animals. Yeah, so probably one of the things that I think is the coolest thing about the Amazon River dolphin that is different from the uh, bottlenose dolphin is they have an unfused neck vertebrae. So they can actually turn their head almost 90 degrees in any direction. And if you think about them swimming through the flooded forest, that's that's certainly a part of their adaptations and how they need to survive. Um, 
So I, I think that's pretty cool. They are, they are very flexible. You see, uh, you see a lot of really neat pictures and video of them underwater and just the way that they can turn and move is very impressive. Yes. And are they as social as the bottlenose dolphin? So they are definitely inquisitive, but where you might see bottlenose dolphins in some larger pods, you really don't see that with the Amazon River dolphin. Uh, you don't see them in big groups. You might see them um, in maybe individuals of like two to six. There's usually not a big group of them. Two to six. Okay. And speaking about numbers, how many, like what is their conservation status right now in the wild? So we don't know. We believe that it is in the tens of thousands. Um, and it was just back in November 2018 that they were finally listed by the IUCN um, as an endangered species. Wow. For many, many years, they were considered data deficient. Because if you just think about the size of the Amazon River, that's really hard to go to that area and be like, one, two, three. There's a lot of little nooks and crannies. Uh, so that is the number where they believe, but they are definitely, um, we're definitely starting to see a declining trend. So that is certainly alarming. Okay. And why are they declining? Is it due to overfishing, tangled in nets? Yes, all of it. Um, and between, you know, we touched a little bit on the mining. So there is illegal mining, there's illegal logging and deforestation, which then, of course, leads to habitat degradation, habitat destruction. And one of the saddest things, and it's really hard to believe in this day and age, and I know it does go on in other areas of the world, but the Amazon River dolphin is actually hunted. Oh no. They are they are hunted and used as bait to catch catfish. What? Yeah, it's crazy, Corbin. It's crazy. So so aside from all those other things that we just talked about, we've got the we've got pollution, we've got boat traffic, we've got illegal mining, illegal logging, which leads to habitat destruction. They are also illegally hunted. So there is a fish, it's a catfish, and it's called Piracachinga. And they believe that the Piracachinga is far more attracted to river dolphin meat than anything else. Oh. So what they do is they will harpoon or machete the dolphins, and they put them in big wooden bait boxes to catch the catfish. And the demand is actually coming from neighboring countries. So they will fillet and clean the fish, and then they will send the meat off to other countries. Oh, my gosh. Is this yeah. something recent that's been going on that they discovered, or has this been going on for... It's, it's been going on for a long time. And uh, about, about five years ago, it was brought to light. It was brought to the national stage in Brazil uh, on an evening show. If you've ever heard, uh, there's a documentary called A River Below. Okay. And it talks about this specifically. And one evening, uh, this, this nationally televised show showed footage of them um, hunting and killing a dolphin. And in rightfully so, the country was outraged and a moratorium was passed. And they were saying no more hunting of the Piracachinga. 
that was it. So everything got shut down. And since nobody wanted or could catch the Piracachinga, they did not need to hunt the river dolphins. That moratorium was put on hold for five years. That moratorium uh, was until December 31st of 2019. So we were hoping coming into this year, 2020, that they were just going to say, okay, let's just extend this moratorium. We're still trying to navigate population numbers. We're still trying to do all these things. It hasn't hurt anybody, so let's just extend the moratorium. And it got lifted. So they are allowed to hunt Piracachinga again, which would lead one to believe that they are probably hunting the river dolphins again as well. Oh, boy. Um, is there a substitute, a sustainable bait that they could use for the catfish? I mean, it's catfish. So <laughs> I mean, like, we, 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 we catch them with hot dogs out here. Like, we, I yeah. live on the Snake River. You could put your toe in our river and probably attract a catfish. Exactly. And that's exactly what I was going to say. You don't need to be a fish expert to know that you can use just about anything and catfish is going to come along. But because the river dolphin meat is so oily and it's just so different, it actually gets them more of the catfish. So that's why they use the river dolphin. But they're also finding in Peru that this piracachinga and other fish, because of all of the illegal mining, now has mercury levels in the fish. So it's kind of just this vicious cycle. The you know you're hunting and killing the dolphins. The dolphins are also eating this fish, and whatever the fish is then hunted and then brought into these towns and these cities. Children and adults are eating the fish and everybody is suffering from this mercury poisoning. And you will also see that um, in the documentary as well. So it's really just this vicious cycle that needs to, that needs to stop somewhere. A river below. Is that yes. available on, I mean, where, where can I you? believe you can, I believe it's on Amazon prime now. No. It's, it's from no. the circuit through everything. I believe it's on Amazon prime. Okay. No pun intended, Amazon. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> so I, okay. Um, so do they also eat the river dolphins or they mainly just use it for bait? They do not. They don't do anything other than just use them as bait. So there needs to be a shift. And I feel like this might be a good talking point because I see an amazing tourism opportunity to bring people to the Amazon. And I took a look at your website. I'll include the links because you guys do Amazon expedition. So let's talk about that because there's a lot of people that would die to see one of these in the wild. Yeah, we've been running them for about five years now. Um, and it's, it's a blast. We've taken and we take all ages, all professions. Um, of course, I get a lot of zookeepers and marine mammal trainers, but I get teachers, I get lawyers, I get all I get all walks of life and I take everybody on a boat on the Amazon for 10 days. And I take you around to all these different locations and even though 
we primarily focus on the Amazon River dolphin. It really is about the entire environment for us. So we will show you, we will take you and you get to see the dolphins that that we count and that we take photos of all the time. Um, so not only do you get to see them, but we go on these like early morning excursions and we go see howler monkeys and squirrel monkeys. Or in the evenings, we might sit on the top deck of the boat and drink a caipirinha and watch blue and gold macaws fly over. I like to call it at rush hour. Mm -hmm. So about five, six o'clock in the evening, we know right where to go to watch these watch these birds. We see wire-tailed mannequins in a very unique place. And I take you into all these Riverside communities as well, because I believe the people are just as important. So we do all of it and such a great trip. Wow, and what are you drinking on top of the boat? Uh, Kimmy Chawat? <laughs> A caipirinha. What in the world is that? So the 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 alcohol in Brazil, it, it's kind of like a rum, uh -huh. but it's called cachaça. And so they mix cachaça with sugar and lime. It's it's delightful and refreshing. And we can we can watch we can watch all the things of the Amazon. <laughs> wow. Okay. So you're there for ten days. Yeah. And and you are, are you pretty much almost guaranteed to see river dolphins? 100%. Why do I feel like in my mind that they're super elusive? In my mind, I felt like they were just so deep hidden and, you know, very rarely seen. Like, I don't, I didn't realize they were that accessible. In, in some areas, um, in some areas, we of course know where they are. So we can go to those areas and there are some platforms where there are some habituated river dolphins as well. Okay. And so you'll, you're guaranteed to see some. You said they hang out in groups of two to three. I didn't ask you this earlier, but how big are they? So the males can get to be about eight feet. Um, okay. That's pretty, that's the, down, the, down the bigger end of the spectrum. And the females are smaller and they get to be about six to seven feet. Eight feet. Now, are they... Okay, I, and I, I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this, but for some listeners, are they like porpoising out of the water like your bottlenose dolphins? And I mean, no, like. Not really. Like the typical bows that okay. you think of. And I know I'm gesturing to you, but. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're putting your hands up and down like a wave. Okay. Uh, they're not doing the typical, you know, bowing out of the water like the like the bottlenose dolphins do, um, but they come out a little bit. And what's really cool about watching them, especially when the forest is flooded, I've watched them come up out of the water and take leaves and seed pods off of trees and play around with them. Really? You can see pictures on my website. Wow! And what is your website? It is ARDCF.org. Awesome. And I'll put that in the show notes. Wow. So just playing with the seed pods. Yeah. So in your expert opinion, because you've worked with captive bottlenose dolphins and what do you say? Rough tooth dolphins. Mm -hmm. <laughs> How interesting. <laughs> Have you seen, I mean, is their intelligence similar or is one species a little more superior over the other? I don't think that one is 
is more superior over the other. Um, you know, both species have those have those nice big brains. Um, and hopefully somewhere down the line, we're going to be doing some different cognition studies, which would be really neat. Um, but, you know, I see a lot of, you know, sometimes intelligence is a tricky question because it also lends to survivability as well because you know is the river dolphin really smart because he knows how to jump up into a tree and grab a seed pod and have something to play with maybe but you know you can't necessarily hold that against a dog who can't jump up into a tree or you know or whatever the case may be um but i think that they are pretty clever for sure i've i've seen some examples of it very clever now, is it true that they are, I've heard rumors that like they're nearly blind or can't see very well and they use a lot of like their sensory organs, like their nose to find food. Is that true? Um, not quite. Yeah, yes and no. So they have very small, beady little eyes. They're, they're, <laughs> I love they're how you said really beady. Weird. They're just like these, they're just like these prehistoric creatures. So the eyes are small, but they are functional uh, and they can see above and below the water, but they also use their sonar. They have echolocation, just like the other species of dolphins. And if you think about the Amazon and the Rio Negro, where we go, which is black water, they need to be able to navigate those dark, muddy waters. So that's when they'll rely on the sonar more. Uh, and they're primarily eating fish. They also eat other things. They're so cool, Corbin. They eat not only fish, but they have been known to eat crabs, and they've also been known to eat turtles. Really? Really. And they will also grab turtles and throw them around in a display of courtship for the females. I mean, the males not, will do it. Not a good day for the turtle, but I mean... Not that... a good day for the turtle. Wow. And I... Which is actually another really cool thing about uh, the river dolphins. They, I believe there might be one other cetacean, but the river dolphins have two different types of teeth. So they have the cone-shaped teeth in the mm -hmm. front, mm -hmm. and then they have molar-shaped teeth in the back, and that's how they can chew and bite through crabs, turtles, some of those bigger, like armored catfish that are in the Amazon. So they've got so they've got some a pretty cool set of chompers. Wow, this is oh, this sounds so awesome. So. I'm going to just kind of put you on the spot here. And I just, because my listeners, this sounds amazing, right? I want to go to the Amazon. I know a lot of us are cooped up right now because we're at home with this coronavirus thing. People are going to want to get out and travel. Can you give me a rough estimate of how much a 10-day expedition would be just for someone who is curious? Yeah, for sure. It's just under, it's just under $1,900 and that is your room and board so we stay in on we stay on the big boat okay and there's two people to a cabin you have your own bathroom you have your own shower toilet every room has air conditioning i do it right what <laughs> yeah okay we have fresh fresh baked meals all day every day i have the most amazing crew in the amazon um I have these great guys that operate the boat and 
And then we also tow uh, three or four canoes behind the big boat so we can go do our off-boat excursions. Um, but then I have a couple of girls on the boat as well that make all of the meals and take care of the cabins. Uh, and the food is so good. <laughs> okay, I'm a picky eater. What are we eating on this boat, Suzanne? I'm super picky. Okay. I'm super picky. Um we, oh, they have this Brazilian barbecue that is just to die for. It's called Chojasco. Oh. And it's so good. I, it's so good. I guess I didn't realize. I thought you were staying at like a village. I didn't realize that you're staying on the boat for, for, for 10 days. We stay on the boat. And for certain trips, we have like taken hammocks and whatnot. And we have gone and we've stayed overnight in villages so that's in an opportunity if a particular group was interested in doing that um i yeah we've had lots of groups do that which is which is also a pretty neat experience so have you ever seen that movie with jennifer lopez anaconda i have <laughs> i'm like envisioning a boat like that am i right or i mean obviously not with the giant anaconda that's gonna come minus, minus the giant anaconda and minus ice cube yes <laughs> i forgot ice cube was in that <laughs> oh my gosh that's so funny okay so have you okay there are some people who are wary of the amazon how safe is it for sure. Um, in that, it, it's funny. I'm so glad you asked that because that is always one of my battles. Um, so even if you just think of some of the smaller creatures, probably the biggest concern that I get from potential participants is mosquitoes. Yeah. Well, as we already talked about, I am based out of New Orleans. Corbin, there, we have mosquitoes here that can... Pick up a small child in a <laughs> I don't need to travel anywhere where there are more mosquitoes in my life. So I like to think that I'm pretty clever sometimes. And so where we go on the Amazon is called the Rio Negro. And the water is really acidic there. And the insects don't do very well. So there are actually not a whole lot of mosquitoes. There are mosquitoes, but there's not a whole lot of them. That's... There are far more mosquitoes here in my city. If I open my back door right now, I might get carried away. <laughs> wow. You know, that's so funny because when I went to Africa for the first time, I remember having to get like the shots this and, that, and, you know, like take, take your West Nile, you know, medication, all this stuff. I did not see, and I've been to Africa twice. I did not see one mosquito either trip. Not one mosquito. Yep. I mean, and I live on the Snake River here in Idaho, so I plenty of mosquitoes i very rarely i i never take malaria meds i think they are i think they are nasty and do terrible things to you uh -huh. um but you know a little spritz a little you know a little bug spray in the evenings maybe but i never have any problems with them and when i'm down there doing research um I don't have the big boat. I can't go into my cabin and close the windows and close. I, I pack the canoe with a lot of field equipment and a hammock. And I stay out in the middle of nowhere in the jungle. And I can't be concerned about, um, I can't be concerned about mosquitoes. Wow. So it's never a problem. Um, another one is snakes. 
Uh, people a lot of times because of movies like Anaconda. <laughs> the great plot. And uh, I'm glad you brought it up. I'm sorry though. I'm like talk, I'm yeah. t- you're trying to sell tours, not like not sell tours because of Anaconda. But people think that like this is this is like the you know the allure, the mystery of the Amazon. So not everyone wants to come down to the Amazon specifically for the Amazon River Dolphin. So I make a point of asking asking everyone in the beginning, what do you want to see? What is your interest? Why are you here? And a couple of times I have gotten snakes as an answer. And we've had to go find someone in a Riverside community that knows where to go to find snakes. Like it's kind of a big deal to try to go and find one. Of all the times that I have been down there, I could I could probably count snakes on one hand. Really? Have you seen the green anaconda? I have not. It's on my wish list, but I have not. Wow. And when they're there, they're they're so high up in the trees and they're all coiled up. They're not, you know, they're not trying to get down into my hammock or they're not trying to fling themselves off the tree onto the boat. No, they're actually pretty hard to find. What about jaguars? So jaguars... I have, that's another bucket list item for me. Um, the closest I have ever come, I have seen a footprint. And that was pretty cool. Um, but no jaguars, uh, you probably are going to need to go to a different part of Brazil if you want a really good chance of seeing them. So they are, they're usually deeper in the forest. They're not out on the river's edge. Wow. Do you see plenty of caiman? I'm a reptile person. See plenty of caiman. I love the caiman. So we've got the black caiman and spectacle caiman. Wow, wow. And then do you see a lot of sloths, harpy eagles? I'm just going down my checklist here. Oh my here. gosh. Sloths, I think my record is 73 in a night. No. Yeah. What? It was, I, I've gotten I've gotten pretty spoiled. Um, it it got to the point where it was like, oh, another sloth, <laughs> because they were just we just know where to find them. We know how to spot them. Um, so we see a lot of sloths. I have seen harpy eagles. Um, probably one of my favorites uh, was king vultures. Wow. Yep. Yep. Saw king vultures down on the ground, which was very cool. Um, I can think of another one that gets people a little nervous, uh, piranhas. Oh, yes. So let's tackle piranhas. They're nothing. They're nothing. So we usually go fishing. Well, we always go fishing. And we will go fishing for piranhas. And we will eat the piranhas. And they are delicious. Oh, Uh, my gosh. Really? So delicious. Oh my god! You know what? I bet you. I bet you did not know this about me. I used to have a pet piranha. Did you? His name was Jaws. He was a, he was a rescue, and people and he was the shyest fish. And people would always be they'd be like, "Can I put my finger in the water?" And I'd go, "Sure, go ahead." Like he's not gonna do, he's not gonna do anything. Yeah. And that's exactly the case. So we've got we've got red belly piranhas, which I don't worry about got the black piranhas which are much bigger and have you know have the teeth that are a little bit nastier um only because you are here with me i know your listeners can't see it but oh my gosh 
Is that from a, is it a Paku? It's from a piranha. That's from a piranha? Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh my, did you guys eat that one? Yeah. Oh my gosh, so you could, <laughs> oh my gosh. So this is like not only an Amazon River dolphin, this could be like a culinary expedition. Yeah, and you know, what's really funny, so um, I have, uh, I took a big group uh, a couple of years ago. The majority of the folks were from SeaWorld, Julie Scardina. Oh, came okay, with very me. cool. I've known Julie for a really long time. And one of the guys on the trip, he's actually a trainer in Orlando. He really wanted to learn some recipes and wanted to cook with the girls in the kitchen one day. So um, I get reports from him every once in a while about something that he has made. And yeah, there's lots of culinary experiences to be had in the Amazon. Oh, that sounds great. So when is your next expedition? If I'm interested, when is your next expedition to go to the Amazon? So this year, we we have them this year, but of course, because of everything, everything is on hold. But for next year, I have a scheduled trip in June. And I have a scheduled group, a uh, scheduled trip in September. So you will have two different experiences. Um, one time the water is a little bit higher than the other. I try to go two times a year um, with groups. To try, I try to do a high water and a low water. And they're both really fun. I'm trying. I bet... I'm just thinking what would be a better experience. Is the low water a better experience? I mean, I know I know they're both cool, but is the low water I would for me, I would think I'd choose low water. I would just from what little I know about you, but spending this time with you, um I would suggest for you low water. Okay, good. I think you would totally dig low water. Okay. Okay, and that's just more species. I mean, you're able to see more animals, more activities. You're able to see more animals, and it's a little bit more. It's a little bit more challenging. Oh. It's a little like we've got to go. So if you think that you know the water's really low, and we might be trying to get to this really cool, naturally formed lake, but the little riverway to get there has dropped tremendously. So I've been in areas where we've had to get out of a canoe, like get the canoe up over a tree that has fallen and like hack down branches and everything else. Um, that it's, it can be some work sometimes, yeah, but, so but this, I enjoy it. This is not a wheelchair accessible low water trip. That one is not. <laughs> no, go to the high water. Okay. So, Suzanne, you talked a little bit about your research. Can you go into that really quick? Yeah. So two of the biggest things that we are focusing on right now. So we are putting together a photo identification catalog. There are a lot of known individuals in the areas where we go. So we are creating a catalog uh, and that way we can identify them and start to get a feel for where are they traveling? What are they relying on? What's their foraging strategies? What's their site fidelity? Um, and on top of that, and kind of combined with it at times, 
We're also doing a population survey to get a handle on what the numbers are in that area. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about the difference between high water and low water. My crew and my assistants down there are so awesome. And a lot of them grew up on the river. So they know all these little intricate waterways in different areas where we can go, whether it's a shortcut or maybe there's another lake in a back area off of the river so we can get an even better estimate of how many animals are in the area. Wow. And then if anyone wants to help with the project, can they go to your website and donate? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and those funds that we rely so heavily on donations and a lot of that money goes to field equipment such as, you know, our cameras. Uh, gosh, we have a lot of cameras, a lot of different lenses. We have GoPros as well. But it also goes to staffing, uh, which is all of our Brazilian assistants, which is so nice to have them come along and it goes to boat rentals and, and things of that nature. So the donations go a long, long way. That's awesome. And I will put the links in the show notes for that. I okay. just, Suzanne, your story is really inspirational. I mean, it really is. And I think it's amazing that you founded this organization. You know, there's a lot of people that listen to this around the world. And there's some people who listen who think maybe I'm too young or maybe I'm too old to like pursue something or start organization. Do you have any words of advice or encouragement for anybody in that place who wants to make a difference? Yeah, for sure. First and foremost, see what else is out there. Um, you know, I was listening to one of your earlier podcasts with Dr. Fennessy, and they are the only organization that focuses on giraffe conservation. So you don't want to then go and form another group. But whatever your interests are, look into those, look into that species or look into that particular niche. Is there something else out there that sparks your interest? And then try to join up with those folks and see how what's most beneficial for them and how you can help them. And if there isn't, then you can be like a Dr. Hennessy. You can be like Suzanne Smith and like, hey, what's going on out in the world? This is where my interests are. This is my expertise. This is what I can bring to the table to help and and make it happen and talk to people who have done that who have done that type of thing and talk about and learn about what the hurdles are and in all of the things that go along with it i certainly did not know anything about starting a 501c3 articles of incorporation i had no no clue so there was a lot of other things that i needed to learn about before um before i dove dove in to do this I mean, pun intended. I like that. But so, so <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, yeah, but I just, I still have so much admiration for you because it's like you were just someone who went, who had an opportunity to go on this exhibition. All of a sudden you're like, you know what? I need to start something because I'm sure you looked to see if there were organizations and there weren't. And that's why you decided to start this. I mean, you just, what did you do to start like contacting locals, making connections, saying I have this dream of taking tourists around the world to come see the dolphins? 
I, I did a little bit. There was a lot of, there were a lot of things in place. You know, I mentioned that I had gone with um, a fish specialist group um, and they work on a fish conservation project. And I learned a lot through, through the founder of that organization, someone that I've known for a really long time and that I admire and respect. And I saw how he created his project and how, you know, forming relationships with the government, whether it was local, state, or national, getting those relationships and getting getting on board with the Riverside communities. And I had started to get to know a lot of these people right from the beginning, and they're wonderful. And I've said it from the beginning that if those folks don't believe in my project and if they don't believe in the Amazon River Dolphin and what we're doing, then there's really no sense in doing it at all. So it's really the people that have helped make a huge difference. They have welcomed me into their home. I am a part of their communities. They know when I'm there. They know what I'm there for. for. And we've done a lot of conservation education with them, which has been really neat. Uh, it's been really neat teaching them about dolphins and they know me as the dolphin girl and we have barbecues together and I have dinner in their homes and I've watched the children grow up and it's just, it's so neat just to be a part of that. So it's not just about the river dolphins for me. That's amazing. Well, I hope to see you on an expedition. I would love to film sometime. I'm serious. Absolutely, Corbin. There is some really cool stuff going on. Um, I think you would love it. I think so too. And you know, honestly, my wife and I have like talked about this to go to the Amazon and she was so terrified of all the insects. I'm like, babe, it's fine. But I'm happy you said that. I'm going to make sure she listens to this because I, you know, you're really believable. I mean, (laughs) 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 okay. We are nearing the end of our interview. Can you hit me? This might be really hard. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. Okay, what is the most, I mean, you already told me that they that they have an unfused neck, so you can't use that fun fact, but what else is your favorite fact about the river dolphin? Is there anything else? Ooh. Go ahead. Yes. You ready for it? Oh, hit me. I'm ready. Okay. So they have these giant pectoral fins, right? The two fins that are on the side. The river dolphins can move them independently of one another which means that they can also swim backwards. Wow. Okay. I mean, they're the coolest. (laughs) That is awesome. That is great, Suzanne. Thank you. Thank you so much. I will include the links um, to your website in the show notes. I'm assuming you're also on social media, Facebook. Yes. Yes. All the things. I'm not quite to TikTok like you yet, but... (laughs) You have to get on it. If you have, if you have, I'm sure. (laughs) Do you have video footage of the dolphins? I do. You could just put it like the dolphins to a Kesha song. And I swear to God, it will go viral. (laughs) I love it. I I may just do that. I have a 17 year old that can help me with that. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much. I hope to see you on an expedition. I really enjoyed it. And I hope to see you and your wife in the Amazon next year when we're all on the other side of this. (laughs) That sounds great. Talk to you later. 
Thanks for listening to the Animals to the Max podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with friends and family. Also, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. It really helps me out. As always, if you have any guest suggestions, if you want to email me personally, head on over to CorbinMaxi.com. And if you haven't already, check out our social channels. You can follow me at CorbinMaxi on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll talk to you next time.